Hi, I'm Valerie Steele, Director and Chief Curator of the Museum at FIT, the most fashionable museum in New York City. Welcome to our Fashion Culture podcast series, featuring lectures and conversations about fashion. If you like what you hear, please share your thoughts on social media using the hashtag #FashionCulture. Hi, Ronald. How are you? I'm very good. Very happy to uh, to be here in yeah. a very different way than than we thought it was going to be, but still. <laughs> yes, I know, and it's been it's certainly been a long time since I've seen you, so it's it's good to at least see you virtually. Yeah, you look good. Thank you. You too. So, um, all right. So, I wanted to start in with a little bit of background on your uh, your really your history and your career in the arts and in fashion. So I'd, I'd love for you to give, you know, just a little bit of your, a summary of kind of your uh, background up to this point and how you um, are now running RFDK, RVDK, excuse me. <laughs> well, um, you know, I was born in Holland and um, I studied to become a ballet dancer, but that never happened. And I turned to fashion. I was always doing stuff, knitting, even making clothes. And one thing led to another. So I became a fashion designer. I went to um, art school here, Rietveld Academy of Art. And um, after graduation, I went to New York and I, I worked for, uh, for Bill Blass. I worked for Varnish New York. Then I went to Paris and I worked for Guy La Roche. Then I started consulting for various brands. And at one point, um, you know, not at one point, but after working for, I think like, almost 25 years in this industry, always in the luxury business. I saw that the luxury um, business was sort of like copying what fast fashion was doing in terms of producing more and more clothes with less and less love. And, um, you know, I saw these enormous, enormous leftovers, you know, fabrics and clothes and everything. And I thought, what's going on with this world? I want to do something, uh, something good and something that um, you know, is is real and something that talks about fashion with a passion and a fashion with a soul. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I started my brand RVDK, um, I think about six years ago now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think literally six years ago. Um, by um, just by, I mean, I didn't really plan on building a brand, but I just wanted to do a project for myself to find out you know, to get my, my love for fashion and my, my passion back. And um, yeah, to really react on what was going on. I felt that the whole, the whole fashion industry was, was spinning out of control. And I wanted to do something really worthwhile for myself, really, in the first place. So I started working with, with things that I'd collected over the years, um, pieces of fabric and, and, and pieces of, of leather and like buttons and all this stuff that I loved and I started making clothes just with with what I had around me and I went to Paris um, like I think four or five months after that with a with a rack of clothes Mm -hmm. they didn't make sense together like it was just like you know a a wardrobe of of sort of like eccentric pieces and uh, I went there during couture and I um, invited a few editors with the help of a great PR agency in Paris. And um, we invited only, I think, like 15 people and 10 of them came and they all really liked what I was doing. And uh, yeah, then one thing led to another. So here I am. 
with my um, yeah my, my brand uh, RVDK. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, I think that's that's so. Uh, that just makes so much sense that your experience informed what you're doing now. I mean, you had firsthand experience seeing all of the waste. Um, and that's a really interesting point to talk about how the speed just is, you know, it increased across all the levels of fashion. So everything from your, you know, fast fashion just started dominating. Um, yeah. Even, even that, you know, the high echelon that's seen as uh, so focused on craft, but yeah. So and I think, I think it was very important that I really experienced it all, that I really saw it all, that I really saw the industry change in those 25 years. So for me, it, it is very much something that I really feel and that's, it, it's in my own DNA and in my brand's DNA, but I know what it was like and I know what happened and I know where it went wrong. And I know, and I mean, I, I was right in, into it. I mean, I, I saw it, I, I, I even, you know, did many things that were wrong because I was participating in this industry and I still see it now, uh, you know, with, with the whole fashion industry, where it goes wrong and how difficult it is to change things and everything. So I think, yeah, why people sort of listen to me from the beginning, not everyone, but a few people and good people and, and looked at what I was, was doing because, you know, it, it really came from, um, from an experience, from a, yeah, for, from seeing it firsthand and from feeling it and from, from knowing it from the inside. I think that that really helps because a lot of people now talk about all these things, but it's only talk or it's only like a, you know, sort of like a, like a cloud that they, that they make, but I don't think they feel the urge like I feel it. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I think you, you're, uniquely inside being the designer and the, and the, you know, and also the maker being, you know, being that you with that first collection did, you know, you do a lot of the production work yourself. I mean, I've seen your, um, I've seen your studio and I know you're very hands-on with, with the, all the collections that you produce. Yeah. We, we do everything locally, which is very important. So everything is done in the area in Holland, but, but with great artisans and everybody has their own speciality, but I'm very hands-on with the, I'm not a, a great uh, technician, uh, on the contrary, but, um, you know, I, I know, um, I know all the techniques because I've experienced, I've done right. so many things from tailoring to evening to even lingerie and form, forming wear and everything. So I can, I know what to do and I know how to, you know, to work with people to get the right things. Yeah. But, right. Right. Yeah. The architect. Yeah. Um, so then that's before, so it's inter interesting to think of it as what's now, you know, it's called upcycling in, in a, um, you know, in a broader sense, but what, what was, take us to that first, that first showing, um, that first meeting, you know, and, and what kinds of, I'm curious what kinds of questions you got about, um, about your process, about that collection. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the word questions? upcycling didn't really exist at that point, you know, it's where that's, I don't know, that, that came later that people invented afterwards. But um, um, what I did, for example, I, um, I worked with someone who did hand weaving and um, he had clothes from his parents that had both uh, died, very sadly. But I mean, so there was all these clothes and, and instead of throwing them away, we, we ripped them apart into threads. And from the threads, you know, we started weaving new clothes. So we had jackets 
made out of his parents' clothes. And um, they were really beautiful. So I was like, wow, what is this? And it's really interesting and everything. So, you know, that's a story in itself. So every, I think every garment had a story. I mean, I made a, this, this beautiful lace skirt that was made out of um, um, like stoles, lace stoles from the early 20th century. So, um, you know, really antique stoles uh, that usually you, people were questioning, like, how did you get that fabric? Like, it's so elaborate, but they didn't realize they were, you know, handmade stoles that I found on an antique market. Um, so there was all these different things, but um, I invited quite different people. For example, I invited the, the then um, uh, the fashion director that I used to work with at Barney's, and she came to look at it, and I invited uh, this lady that um, was the buyer for Colette in Paris. You know, they're very avant-garde stores. Right. And both of them said to me, I don't know what you're doing, but this is never going to work. Because how are you going to get this, this done? And nothing goes together. There's no story. You, you have like an evening dress and you have like a, a ripped pair of jeans made out of old jeans. What is this? They really didn't get it. Mm -hmm. So it was really funny because you would think they would be the first people to, to get it, but they really didn't believe in it. And then, um, you know, I had editors, like, for example, Emmanuel Alt from French Vogue, the, the, the fashion director. Yep. She immediately was excited. She's like, God, this is so, you know, it, it, it feels real and it feels, you know, like genuine. And, you know, so I had, you know, the, the fashion press um, really loved it. Not all of them, but most of them. And, um, and they were very supportive as well because they saw I was onto something. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, from from that on, from that moment on, um, things started happening. And then um, yeah, but with the, with with the stores, they thought it was difficult, and you know, like they, they didn't really get it. Mm -hmm. Like they're so used to get like um, you know a merchandise collection with a theme and like with colors and everything goes together, and you know they can easily order. It's almost like done for them. Mm -hmm. This is the problem with the fashion world. Everything is so like cookie cutter, mm -hmm. formulaic. This is what I was doing as well when I was working for big companies. I mean, when I, you know, uh, when you work for a big company, you know, you need to have like structure. And if you do six or eight collections a year, you know, you cannot dilly dally around. You have to like have a, a theme and the whole, your, uh, your team needs to know exactly where they need to go, what colors they need to use, what, what are the inspirations, and even the merchandisers are already like thinking about how the store display is gonna be. Right. So for me, this ruined the whole idea of, you know, being creative and being innovative in fashion. You know, you, if you work like that, you know, you, you limit yourself from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think you see that now in, in, in world fashion, you see it at a fashion show, like everything is like, so programmed and so thought through and i don't know it, it sort of ruins the realness of fashion yeah. and i think by me by working with these limitations of just working with what i had around me it, it gave me more um, push to be creative and i think yeah it's an interesting way of working and i mean i'm glad to see now that a lot of people um take over that same concept i see a lot of like you know younger designers or even brands that weren't doing it like working in my way as well now so i see that it has a lot of impact mm -hmm. and um well, i think that that's a very good sign
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That actually, so that my next question was the one thing and you've sort of answered it, but I'm going to flesh it out just a little bit more. If you, if you could change one thing about the fashion industry, what would that, what would that be? Well, <laughs> there's a lot I would change. Yeah, First one of all, I, think, I think all these mega companies, they're, they're, they're way too big. And the problem is, you, you know, it when you have a very big company with a lot of shareholders and, and people that, that need to get things out of it. I mean, it's very hard to, to change anything mm-hmm. because there's all these demands and questions and there's all these people involved and everything you do, every small change is, is for them huge, you know? So when right. you see that, so they try to, to change things on the surface and then, you know, hopefully they're also trying to change, you know, everything behind it, but you, you don't see that yet. So I think, I mean, we see now that a lot of people, you know, are going now to two seasons a year instead of six. I mean, that's, that at least they claim they say that now. It's something that I've, you know, been doing for for those from since I started. I thought two two connections is enough. We don't need more. You know, like why? Um, so you see that happening. You see people thinking about where they get their fabrics from, and like, you know, there there is a lot of things happening. There's also a lot of talk and. You know, I'm, I'm sort of like not so crazy about all these fashion shows that are sort of like car- carbon free, but then, you know, the production still goes up and up and up. And I think like, what are you trying to say here? You know, do something real, do not something that people talk about that, that seems like you're doing something, but, you know, no greenwashing, but be real, you know, and this is the thing. I think in general, the fashion world has a problem with being real, like, I mean, if you have a huge decor and you show your clothes and, and it's all about the celebrities that sit front row and about the decor and about where the people were traveling to to see your show, then it's no longer about the clothes. I think it should go, it should be about the clothes and it should be about, you know, your, your story, but in a way that you're, you know, you're reacting to the world around you and that you, you, you give your point of view. I mean, this was fashion was always about like, trying to pick up what, what's, what's in the air and, and, and offer something new. And um, well, and I think if you see now that the whole world uh, is going down in all levels, I mean, we, we all need to change. And I think as a fashion company, we have the responsibility to change, to really change and to make changes and to make people believe that change is necessary and that fashion is not like, um, a disposable product and but that it's something that you need to collect and that needs to to fit to your personality and that you know you need to save for and that you know something that you cherish forever ideally right. um, and you know i think we have responsibility to 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 make people think differently but the problem is that all these big companies they i think they all want to go back to how it was as soon as possible and i think you know that's this is the moment to, to make a change. And this is also the moment to, you know, where people listen and where people are ready for change, I think. No, I definitely agree. I think you've got, there's a unique opportunity post COVID just with people having, uh, having all been impacted in, in many different ways. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, one thing that I've been tracking, particularly with the big companies is looking at, you know, these large claims, even if it's, if it's carbon neutral and the more traditional sort of CSR 
you know, measurements. So, you know, solar and things like that for the bigger companies. I mean, those are certainly commendable and those are important, but you've got to look at who are they hiring? You know, if they're hiring a bunch of marketing people and then they have a team of maybe two people for CSR, you know, it's like having one person in governance who's looking over how many thousands of factories you just, that's, you know, that there's no, there's no sort of proof or there's no uh, investment really in what they say that they're caring about. They're really putting yeah. all the money in the marketing. So, yeah. And I, I also see it uh, myself because I think since the moment I started, I've been trying to, you know, my ideal is that I work with all these big companies, bigger or smaller, whatever, and, and find creative solutions for their stock leftover or for their clothes left over or repurpose their clothes or, you know, do something, but be creative about it and do something positive. You know, this is what I've been trying to do. Right. I, can, I don't get anywhere with all these companies, you know, whatever I try, they, they don't want to listen to me. I mean, you know, I don't know what it is or, you know, you have all these, these summits, you have the Copenhagen um, fashion summit about sustainability. Mm -hmm. I'm not there. You know, whatever I've tried to, to you know, uh, talk about the, the things that I believe in, I'm not invited, you know, and, and these are the kind of things that I think like, well, there is, you know, sometimes it feels like you're working in the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical industry, you know, where there's so many people, you know, you, you don't know where it goes wrong. And it's, it's, it's weird to be right in it and, uh, yeah, to really feel that, that you, you cannot do what you want to do because there's bigger forces than you. That play. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I mean, to your point, the, uh, I do think a lot of the hope in, is in, is in the future or in the younger generations. You know, I have, yeah. I have my moments too doing, you know, the nonprofit work that I do. And I think, uh, you know, I mean, we have this timeline, <laughs> this really acute climate crisis, right? So we want it to happen faster, but, it's, it is a challenge of these people who are in, in, in power, really, there's no other way to say it, that have the money. Are they really going to make the change or do we need the new, you know, the new CEO, the new, um, you know, COO, those, those roles to be uh, switched out and, and, and change, change the people at the helm to make the changes. But, well, um, and I think more importantly is that, um, you know, the, the younger generation, the students from now, hello, yep. guys, um, you know, that they get the chance to do something original. The problem mm -hmm. is when you're at a, a college or when you're studying art or whatever, and you, you, you want to become a fashion designer, you know, you end up like thinking, oh, I want to work for like one of the big companies because, you know, then you're going to make money and you have a good career and everything. But the moment you get in that circle, mm -hmm you're gone, you're lost, you know, like you have to work the way they say you have to work and you cannot, you know, reinvent the, the whole fashion cycle. The other thing is, it's like if you want to be famous and you're, you're a very, very talented designer, you apply to win one of the big prizes. One mm -hmm. of the big prizes tell you, you have to work like this, you have to work like that, you have to, you know, this is the system and, you know, they get into the system. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, we should, as, as teachers, I mean, I, I sometimes do workshops as well. I think we should train the people to, to be themselves and to be totally original and, and forget about the current industry and what is expected from them. I think, yeah, they have to know, but don't train them to be, you know, like everyone else is, is now. And I, I, I find, 
that with the young generation of designers that I would expect to see much more like real innovation and real, you know, weird stuff that we now think is not usable, but that in the future turns out to be the solution to all our problems, you know? Right. I mean, where we're all looking for, for new ways. And I also think we have to think of the fashion industry as something different than just producing clothes and products. I mean, I think, I mean, this is my question that I've been asking for, for years now. Is there something else we can do? I mean, we can, we can offer experiences, but because that's when you, you get to something new, something that's not necessarily, you know, polluting the earth or um, adding to the overconsumption or to the, to the, the overproduction. I mean, think of something else as a fashion company. You know, mm-hmm. let it be, maybe it's, I don't know what it is, but, you know, <laughs> you see virtual things, but, but think a little bit further. I mean, you know, is there, you're selling a dream. So what else can we think of? Mm-hmm. And I think that's also where, you know, an answer could be, but I see that not enough. I mean, I don't see enough from the new generation ideas like that. I mean, when I talk to students in my workshops and I say these kind of things, like I say now, Mm-hmm. I see blank faces and they're all like, what's he going on about? It's like, I find it so obvious that this is where we need to go, but it seems, right. you know, I well, think... I think... Oh, sorry. No, no, you can add. I, I, I'm, I'm, I was yeah. going to say, I think it's also, you know, it's, um, it's, it's great to see. I mean, I, I've, I'm familiar with a number of the different programs in the US, a little bit less of the ones in Europe, but the design schools, you know, really are looking to, uh, to change the way that they're teaching, which is another key component yeah. I think, to giving the students, um, as you're saying, kind of a different, less, less restrictive framework, more um, interdisciplinary ways of thinking, more ways of, you know, um, yeah, maybe just not thinking in a, in a production um, clothing design way, like look, looking at different approaches. So whether that's whether that's three D or AI or music or you know different blends yeah. of all those things, um, yeah. And so also, you see that happening. I see it starting to happen. Yes, okay. definitely. Yeah, yep. Okay. And I think that it's uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that is a little bit um, a little chicken and egg. So the students do need to, I think, bring that demand to the to the schools also because. Yeah. You know, fashion schools are a business and they are, they're running, you know, they've got in, employees and, and their whole, you know, uh, organization to support. So they are looking to also represent certain things in the industry. It's, it's, yeah. it's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of um, points of entry for change. There's a lot of ways, ways to try to, to change it, but I definitely see some people who are pushing for it. So that's, you know, that's exciting. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> What were you going to say to the, uh, um, I was actually going to extrapolate a little bit on what you were saying and, and ask, so what advice would you then give to, um, to students these days? If you could give. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to give advice, but I mean, all I can say is that um, stick to, to what you believe and stick to your guns and don't listen too much because I think also when I first started my, my, uh, my RVDK, I mean, I had advice. I mean, some of the people that I told you about, I, you know, advised me, no, you should do this and you should concentrate and you should pick your battle and you should do that. And, you know, all these advices from people that are really, you know, respected in the industry and that, 
you would normally listen to. And I, I listened to them, but I didn't feel it. So I thought, and every time I went back to my, no, but what do I really want? You know, like it, that's so important that you, you feel yourself. And it's still difficult for me. I mean, I get sidetracked all the time. I mean, we ended up doing wholesale. I, from the beginning, I didn't really believe in wholesale. But I ended up doing it because, you know, whatever you, you had, you, you got great contacts, you got um, people wanting to, like, we worked with Nada Porte, we worked with Bergdorf Goodman, you know, it's all these prestigious stores. Right. But I never really felt it. And I always felt like it's not really right. And, and last year we stopped with everything, with wholesale. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the best decision also because you see now wholesale is sort of like going down i mean a lot of the you know the retails have problems and we're also yep. looking to find a new way of retailing you know this is also in the air so i mean it was a decision i made like last year and of course it wasn't the easiest decision because how are you going to replace the the income you know but um it, i think in retrospect this is a good decision because i think we would have probably been i don't know not in a very good situation now because of all the stores not accepting the goods that you had produced or, you know, like this kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So um, I think it's very important to, to listen to your, your own heart and, and yeah. Okay. You have teachers and you have telling, uh, you know, all these people telling you what to do like I'm doing now, but, <laughs> but listen to yourself. You, you right. only know best and right. you have to be original. You, you, it's not, it's not a no point in, copying someone else i mean you're not going to get anywhere then you have to know who you are and what you stand for because then you can really fight for it i mean i fight for what i do because i really believe in it i have no you know it, it is what i you know i never question anything that i do so if people tell me i'm doing the wrong thing i'm, I'm thinking no i'm not I, I know it's the right thing because i really feel it and this i think very important right really know who you are yeah right. No, that's great advice. I mean, that's independent thought and, and keeping your, sticking to your guns. I think that's, yeah, that's really maybe the only thing that, that people can tell other people because, you know, it's always, advice is always through other people's life experience and their yeah. own, you know, their perspective and it doesn't, doesn't apply necessarily. And I think, um, you know, um, uh, one example where I thought like, oh, can I do this? It's like in the middle of, of the whole COVID pandemic, we, we did this thing here in a, in a hotel I wanted to do something positive and no one, not one of the fashion companies, no one was doing anything. And I said, I want to do something positive because I feel like people are now listening and are, you know, so why don't we try and give them a dream? And, and we did give them a dream. We made, um, you know, couture masks matching to couture dresses that we had. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we presented it in, you know, in the middle of COVID and, uh, you know, like, in a beautiful hotel with 30 girls, each had their own room. And, you know, so it was all thought through within all the restriction of, of what was possible. Right. But it was, you know, but it was very risky because, you know, I also heard a lot of people like, oh, you know, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. And, and people were scared and it's gonna be canceled and the police is gonna come and, you know, uh, no one is waiting for this and, and you're doing something, uh, you know, extravagant in this time where there's so much, so many people dying. And yeah, you can look at it in so many different ways, but I really believed, I mean, it was done with a, with a pure conscience and with, a, with an idea of, 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 I really felt that I had to do something and, and also wake up the fashion industry, you know, with 
um, with a language that the fashion industry understands, you know, mm -hmm. by doing something like it was almost like a fashion show. It wasn't, but that's how people looked at it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it, it, it woke up so many people and, it, you know, I reached the whole world with this thing and it got people to talk about it again. And also it's got people to talk about face masks and, you know, right. I try to, to bring these subjects to in a, in a positive way and also in a way that is constructive for what we're going to do after the pandemic. But if I had listened to all the people telling me, oh, don't do this and be careful and watch out, and uh, I wouldn't have done anything, you know? Mm -hmm. So again, yeah. uh, I was just following my instincts. And um, I think that's the best, <laughs> the best advice I can give you, follow your instincts. <laughs> not, too, not too much analysis paralysis, right? No, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so the, and then you also at the end, did you, you had an auction of those, right? Of the masks? Themselves? Yeah, we auctioned them for the, for the refugee company, which is a company that works with, yeah, with refugees here and try to, to, to build a life for them. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we did an auction with Christie's like, um, it was three weeks ago mm -hmm. where we, we had, um, well, we had 30 masks and we, we, yeah, we auctioned them and mm -hmm. it was really great. It was, it was a really beautiful event and it was also very great that, that, you know, like, uh, we know uh, fashion house like over um, uh, auction house like Christie's um, wanted to to support this, so it was a beautiful it was a beautiful thing I think. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And again, I mean the, the 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 event of the auction also went over the whole world. So people, you know, we talked about refugees, we talked about COVID, okay. we talked about you know uh, the fashion industry. So again, you reach so many people by doing something very positive. I mean, it was like a win-win situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hopeful. I think that, that actually leads me to my last, last question, which is around COVID the, um, a little bit about what you think kind of the opportunities are around this. I mean, you've spoken to some of these themes that there is, I, I, I would agree that I think a lot of people are taking this time in this, in this sort of, you know, really forced pause that a lot of people have and it's, and it's causing them to see shared humanity. I mean, certainly in the US, we've got longstanding issues around Black Lives Matter. I mean, the yeah. fact that that actually ex needs to exist as a movement is, is just, you know, on, on, on one level really upsetting. It should be a given that Black Lives Matter, um, that, you know, that there should be more equality in this country, but yeah. that's a different, that's a different conversation. But I also think well, that, you know, it's, it's part of the whole, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's part of this period of, of I call it this period of mindfulness. Yeah. And, um, well, not everyone is in this. <laughs> I mean, you see the opposite as well, but I think a lot of people are really, you know, looking at their lives and looking what's what's around them and with more attention and also looking at the other people and and i think we also realize that we all have to do this together i mean we cannot right. change i mean this COVID is, is a problem all across the world you know like it's not only one little country but right. it's, we all have to do it together so this this is something new you know and i think if you think about it, we have to do everything together in this world. I mean, you know, if we want to make a change. And I think also, you know, everybody, it's, it's so great to do it all together, all these different cultures, all these different ideas and all these different people. I mean, it makes it very strong. I mean, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, there's, there's people who think very differently, but I also see that there's a lot of people who, who are really convinced of, you know, that we, we have to 
include everyone to solve this problem. And, and you know, I think, I mean, I saw it myself. When you're, when you're sitting at home, you don't see many people. You know, you have time to reflect and you, you, you don't get bombarded with all this stuff the whole time, but you have time to, to be more mindful. And, and I think it's, it's very healthy. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's a horrible time. But it's also, you also have to see the positive things of it. I think if you turn it into something positive, it's just like a time where, you know, we can change and we can think about how we want to be better and how we want to be better with one another and, right. and with, for the planet we live on and for the people that are living on this planet. So it's like, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's, it's a given. And I think it's, if you really... Um, think about that and how you can do it yourself in your own little way. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not a doctor and I, I wouldn't be good helping uh, sick people. Right. Or, and I also wouldn't be good making because everybody kept, kept asking me, why aren't you, why aren't you making face masks for, for all the people in the hospital? Why aren't you making, you know, uh, you know, the gowns for people in the hospital? And I thought like, that's not what I'm good at. You know, it's like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not fast fashion. So, I, mm -hmm. I tried to think of something else and mm -hmm. by making these couture masks, you know, I bought um, a conversation, um, you know, about the fashion industry, but also I tried to help now, you know, the refugee company. So it's a different way of working. I mean, I think you have to find your own way of how you can contribute to a better world, right. you know? Right. Yeah. And, and using your, um, you know, the privileges and contacts and whatever, whatever sort of sphere you have yeah. yeah whatever anyone individually can do which i think yeah. i think that is what you saw with people you know with the marches and some of the things that were happening in the u.s that hopefully are continuing to happen through november for uh for some yeah, change yeah. over yeah. here um that is uh yeah it's um but i agree with you i think that it's been it clears for a lot of people one of the you know silver linings can be that it clears out maybe some of this congestion of, you know, just distraction and focus yeah. really on what it is that, that you care about. And I think that it's, um, yeah, I think that you, I mean, the way that there's, there's always a place for art in whatever, you know, whatever yeah. kind of trials and, you know, challenges we go through in life. And I think that, you know, sharing, sharing beauty and inspiration is something that just makes people feel positive. It spreads hope. It does, you know, it does a lot of positive things. And so. to come back to your uh, diversity uh, um, subject, I mean, um, I always looked at at Saint Laurent when he did his shows. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had girls from all over the world. Yeah, and yeah, they were always, you know, and everybody had their moment. And this is what I've always. I mean, I didn't even question. I, I, I never understood these shows where you had like 30 of the same clones coming out right you know, oh, like looking like there was no personality left mm -hmm. i mean if you think about it i mean the, the true spirit i mean and that's when you go to like a santa or something true spirit of, sure. of or halton it was diverse it made you know yeah. it was like everyone was represented mm -hmm. and that made it so beautiful and you had all these 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 you know these, these strong personalities and and you know I think it, it's logic that we we think that way. I find it almost impossible not to think that way. So I'm I'm so shocked that all these fashion companies did 
thing that way. And now you see, you know, nowadays you see a, a big change. I mean, you see it and now it's sometimes you feel like, oh, you know, like it's almost over, overreacting on, on the subject. But, um, and the funny thing was, is like, I've always also used, like sometimes I've used a guy that um, in a show mm -hmm. that wears women's clothes. And I've been doing that for four or five years. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever said anything about it. And now people said, oh, he did a gender fluid show. I didn't do a gender fluid show. That's what I've always done. I mean, it's, right. it is, right. you know, it's not like that I purposely did that. It's just, it was part of the, it's part of the story because, you know, this is why the world is so interesting with all these different characters. And people should think about it that way. I mean, all these, all these different people make the world go around, you know, you, how you get inspiration from all these interesting, you know, eccentric people. And I think that is, it's, it's, it's very important right now that we're, you know, I'm glad that people are opening up a little bit more now mm -hmm. and that, you know, we're correcting this deficit and, and, you know, inclusion. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's hopefully uh, it's, it's going to change now. Yep. Yeah, no, I definitely, I agree. I think I, I want to be, I think the, the best way to be is, is hopeful about it because um, there are a lot of, you know, it's been, it's been a tough, it's been tough for everybody, you know, in the, in the world for a lot of different reasons. And um, it, it does, it's a unique opportunity for there to really be a restart. So, and, and certainly that can start with, uh, with young, you know, with the young folks, over here voting and you know with the young folks exchanging their perspective on what it means to be a fashion designer and um and then you know folks like us still still continuing to push um in our way as well yeah so yeah wonderful all right well, well stay, I, let's all stay positive and creative and and, and uh, beautiful and yeah. um, you know i think we also have to because a lot of people said like oh you know it's too you, you cannot do uh, fashion right now it's not appropriate or something i think it is appropriate i mean this, this is what you know makes people happy and makes people dream but make something that does actually make people dream that's i think the, the biggest message you know yeah. yeah yeah well thank you for uh for giving me the opportunity yeah thank you wonderful to talk to you listening definitely all right, and stay stay safe over there in Holland. Yeah, and um, I can't wait wait to see your next work. So, well, I'm curious to see what I'm gonna do myself. But <laughs> right after this, I'll start kicking on it. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay.